This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The Gallup polling organization notes that church membership in the United States averaged nearly 70% from 1937 through the 1990s. Now it's in the decline, with membership falling 20 percentage points just in the last 20 years. Although declining overall, there are some significant differences. Some denominations have changed their theology in an attempt to attract more membership. Others, such as the LCMS, remain faithful to doctrine. What do these numbers mean, and what do they pretend for the LCMS? The Rev. Dr. Mark Wood, Director of the Synod's Witness and Outreach Ministry and the Revitalization Initiative, discussed the implications on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. Several leading pro-life groups and activists are planning a rally tomorrow at the Planned Parenthood abortion facility in Philadelphia, where State Representative Brian Sims filmed himself twice harassing and bullying pro-life women. The rally is planned for tomorrow morning, and hundreds of pro-life people are expected to attend. The goal of the rally is to send the message to Representative Sims that he cannot stop pro-life people from helping women find abortion alternatives outside of that Planned Parenthood clinic. Rally organizers have invited Sims to attend and even to bring his camera and have a conversation with life leaders and activists about his intimidation. The Elizabeth Blackwell Health Center in Philadelphia has failed 13 of the last 23 patient safety inspections. Even with those failures, there's no indication that this location was ever fine penalized or forced to close until the failures have been remedied. Memorial Hermann Southwest Hospital in Texas has informed Donald Jones yesterday that they were going to pull the plug on his wife against his directive in 10 days, scheduling her to die on May the 13th. Donald's wife Carolyn is a 61-year-old African-American woman currently undergoing dialysis treatment and is breathing with the assistance of a ventilator. Donald and Carolyn have been married for 39 years. They live in Beaumont, Texas, and have an adult daughter. Carolyn suffered a stroke in December of 2017 and has transferred between different rehabilitation facilities since, landing in Memorial Hermann Southwest in November of last year. Donald has stayed by her side throughout her recovery and setbacks. Carolyn is conscious but cannot communicate verbally due to the intubation. Iran's intelligence minister has admitted publicly for the first time that Christianity is spreading throughout Iran. IranWire.com reports that Mahmoud Alavi, the Islamic Republic's intelligence minister, was giving a speech in front of several Shia Muslim clerics when he announced that Christianity is spreading in parts of Iran. In an apparent attempt to make light of the people converting, Alavi said, these converts are ordinary people whose jobs are selling sandwiches or similar things. Iran is known for mounting prosecution of Christians. The Islamic Republic is listed as number nine among the world's top persecutors of Christians. This according to Open Doors USA. Christians in Iran are forbidden from sharing their faith with non-Christians. Consequently, church services in Persian are not allowed in Iran. 
Asia Bibi, a Christian woman who spent eight years on death row in Pakistan for blasphemy before she was freed last year, has flown to Canada, where she was reunited with her family, this according to her lawyer. Bibi's arrival in Canada could mark the end of a nine-year ordeal for the farm laborer whose case, based on dubious accusations that she had insulted the Prophet Muhammad. Usted está escuchando el resumen de noticias Mundo Luterano. This is World Lutheran News, Lutheran Digest. News Digest. The number of active church members in the United States has been declining rather significantly in the last 20 years. But there's some good news in that as well. My guest today is the Reverend Dr. Mark Wood, who's the director of the Synod's Witness and Outreach Ministry and its Revitalization Initiative. Pastor, welcome to the program. Do you want to be called pastor or as a doctor or what? Oh, pastor, fine. It's good to be here, Kip. Sorry. I've always maintained that pastor is a uh, is a much higher honorific than doctor. You, anyone can earn a doctorate, but to get a become a pastor is something else again. I think it's it's the highest title I ever aspired to. So. <laughs> I have been reading some articles lately and hearing a lot of talk about how mainstream religion. In the United States is actually on the decline. There's a number of surveys out there on it, including uh, the Gallup Patrol, Gallup Patrol, Gallup uh, Poll, and uh, the Pew Institute have all shown that this is true. The number of people who profess to be regularly religious, as opposed to say from 20 years ago, as to what it is now, is uh, significantly lower. Why is this happening? Do you think? Well, there's certainly no shortage of studies on this, and uh, the interesting thing about those studies is, is that uh, other studies have shown that they tend to be inflated. So when people say, yes, they're a practicing Christian in response to a, a study that's just asking people, uh, they tend to say yes, even though in practice uh, they're, they're not. So other studies that look at behavior show that uh, uh, about half the people who claim to be active in a Christian church are actually active in a Christian church. Then there's also the factor of uh, what does it mean to be active in a Christian church? Mm-hmm. Uh, and years ago, being active in a Christian church meant you were there every Sunday. And then pollsters kind of reduced that down to uh, you know, once every two weeks or once every three weeks, once every four weeks. Now the standard for active is once every six weeks. Uh, which is a, a standard pollsters use, which I, I don't think we would see as, as a helpful standard. And then there's a bigger question of, well, what do they mean by Christian church? Because <laughs> some of these studies actually include churches that are not Christian churches, like the Mormon church or mm-hmm. the Jehovah Witnesses. And so trying to sort your way through all this statistical information is confusing at best. And, but it seems no matter what, what we do with it, it it's troubling. And... Getting to the question of why, uh, mm-hmm. there's oh, there's all sorts of reasons why. Well, we're certainly seeing a, a secularization in American society, and I think we're also seeing a generational shift. I know in uh, in my church, for example, my congregation, we have very few young people in it, and I find this very disturbing. As a as a church body, the Missouri Synod is aging. Uh, the demographic studies that have been done and published show that uh, we we are older than the, the population at large, and uh, that can that can be troubling. Uh, on the other hand, 
older members bring a lot of value to the church. Uh, they, they have a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom, and they, they also tend to be the group of people who are, are most financially stable and are most generous in their giving. Mm. The church that I planted in Florida used early childhood ministry to reach people in the community. So we had many, many young families with lots of little kids running around. And we discovered very quickly that um, as exciting as that was, it, it presented an altogether different ministry challenge because young families tended to be very busy raising families, not available to help, and they weren't very good financial supporters of the congregation for a variety of reasons. So uh, so I don't see being an older church body as, as a disadvantage, providing we're also focusing on <laughs> passing the faith on to the next generation. And if the next generation isn't there, passing the faith on to the next generation is, is a problem. Well, I'm going to um, go into my own experience here for a bit. I fell away from the church in uh, my young adulthood, probably around the age of 30 or so. I never went into, I never became an atheist. I was always a believer, but I questioned whether or not the organized religion, specifically the Lutheran church, was for me. I came back to it maybe about 10 years ago, and in my older in my older persona now. But I'm wondering if perhaps maybe this is one thing that we're seeing, is that, that people who did fall away from the church are coming back as they get older. It's certainly a pattern that's been around for a long time. Uh, like you, I experienced that. I left the church as a young man and came really? back. I didn't know that. Yeah, eight years later. Uh, I just did it sooner than you. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, though, Kip, that you know, we could come back. We were there. We left. We came back. What we're seeing now is a generation of people in our in our culture who have never been there in the first place. Uh-huh. So you can't come back to somewhere where you've never been. And uh, we're also seeing an interesting trend uh, among churches where people who who have who are leaving aren't coming back. They are going all the way into becoming agnostics or atheists and uh, disavowing the Christian faith. Well, we as as Lutherans recognize that there must be a structure to our faith. I, I have very little patience for people who say, well, gee, I'm spiritual. I'm just not... Spiritual but not religious? Yeah. And I just... Okay. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Although perhaps, you know, maybe in my, my earlier phase, you know, I might have uh, defined myself in that way. But we do need that structure. We certainly do, and uh, you know, people saying that uh, you know I don't need the church. Yeah, uh, that they can they can be a believer without the church, uh, or they're against organized religion. Yeah, you know, my tongue in cheek response to that as a as a pastor was, well, you should come visit us then because we're like the most disorganized group of religious people <laughs> you ever run across. <laughs> um, but it's a bit like this. Uh, imagine someone saying. And you probably heard this. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Yeah, and right. I've heard that. All right. So imagine someone coming to you and saying, "You know, I really like you. You're a great guy. You know, we have a lot in common. We get along great. Uh, but your wife, your wife is like a hag. I mean, I just can't stand her. She's just so nasty, and I, you know, she's ugly and she's mean. I have no idea why you ever married a woman in the first place. But we can be friends, right?" <laughs> <laughs> so what, what people don't understand is the church in all her imperfection is still the bride of Christ. And, and he sees us as holy, blameless, and spotless. 
And you really cannot have a relationship with Jesus apart from his church. It's, you know, the Bible also describes him as being the head of the body, in, which is the church. And mm-hmm. so the two are intricately connected. And for someone to just say, well, I can just go off and follow Jesus on my own, they're lying to themselves. Well, I remember when I was first starting to come back to the church, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and I mentioned to him that I hadn't had communion in years. And I remember him looking me straight in the eye and says, Kip, you need the bread and wine. Mm-hmm. And you can't get that outside of church. Right, and that, and that's, you know, the sacraments are found in the church, uh, the, the pure teaching of God's Word found in the church. Can you be a Christian uh, on your own with just a Bible? Theoretically, yes. In practice, we find it doesn't work well. We're meant to be together. Uh, we're the body of Christ. I mean, when's the last time you saw a bunch of thumbs running around by themselves? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, we, we be- we're part of a body. We belong together. And I'm afraid our culture is losing that understanding of the church, where the church has become more of a, a marketplace of religious goods and services. And we kind of pick and choose what we want, and we mm. hop from place to place saying, well, this church offers this service, this other church doesn't, or they have a better whatever it is that I'm looking for than the church that I'm part of. So I'm just going to go to where my desires, my preferences are being met. What we refer to sometimes as cafeteria Christians. I got into a uh, debate on uh, on Facebook. I'm guilty of of haunting that thing uh, with an acquaintance of mine who is, uh, uh, make a long story short, the guy's gay. Good friend of mine, but still, you know, I, I his lifestyle is, is alien to me. And uh, we were discussing the Bible. He, he professes to be a Christian. He's a, a member of a church out in California. And uh, we were discussing the Bible. And he says, you know, there's a lot in the Bible I really like, but there's a lot I just reject. Okay, how can you reject the Bible and still maintain that you are a Christian? Well, here's where we get to the crux of the matter. Um, why is the church in America in decline? For the most part, we're in decline because uh, we, we keep setting aside God's word. Uh, we're, we're finding that uh, churches are embracing the culture and, and the worldview uh, of our society in order to keep from offending people, to appear more loving to people, uh, and and to be accepting to people, uh, which which is very much a part of our contemporary culture, is to be accepting of people. And so as, as church bodies move further and further away from God's word as being the source of truth and, and embrace the world's views of, of uh, morality, sexuality, marriage, etc., it, it starts to put people on a path. Mm. And that path leads them further and further away from truth and Christ and into the world and into the lies of Satan. And there's, uh, there's been some recent articles that really highlight this. And one, uh, one was written a few months ago that talked about the experience of Bart uh, Campalo. Now, Bart is the son of Tony Campalo, who's a widely known evangelist in evangelical circles. But his son, Bart, actually was a, was a Christian minister but fell away from the faith. And uh, now he's a big advocate for people who are making that same exodus. And uh, it said in this article that Bart Campalo 
predicted that in 10 years, 30 to 40 percent of so-called progressive Christians will become atheists, like he did. Mm. Uh, and by progressive Christians, he's talking about those Christians who have abandoned God's word and embraced the morals and worldviews that are in our culture. And he's saying it's, once you're there, it's just a matter of time uh, to carry out the, that logical conclusion that Christianity really isn't true. And, I, and, I'm, and he said, um, you know, people hold on to those vestiges of what they once believed for comfort, but uh, eventually there's no comfort there, and they just make the break. So that's kind of a startling number, 30 to 40 percent of people in these progressive churches. It is. I mean, this, this acquaintance of mine, for example, he, he pointed out, uh, well, Jesus uh, associated with prostitutes and, and the other people. I said, yeah, but, you know, he said, go and sin no more, not go and sin some more. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, yeah. repentance is part of the concept of forgiveness. It doesn't mean, gee, you know, he accepts me for what I am. No, he doesn't. There are certain things that Jesus wants us to do. So the, the cafeteria mentality doesn't just stop at the services and ministries of a congregation. It extends to their view of the Bible. Right. So they start picking and choosing which parts of the Bible they feel like, like oh, I like this part, uh-huh. but I dislike this part. Well, I'll admit there's there's some parts of the Bible that that rub me the wrong way, but it doesn't mean I reject it. Right. It simply means okay, you know, I'm, this road is rough. I'll follow it. <laughs> and and you know, there's there's a difference between uh, liking what the Bible has to say and accepting what the Bible yeah. has to say as truth. Absolutely. Uh, so there are certainly some things in the Bible that, as I like to put it, I'd like to get my black highlighter out and go over those passages, <laughs> but but it's still truth. And, and I have to take that to heart, wrestle with it, mm-hmm. and uh, see how that can inform my life and my understanding of things. Well, one other survey I saw that actually had uh, some brightness to it was that the some of these mainstream churches, the ones that are going secular, if you will, are losing their membership at a much larger, uh, at a much uh, quicker pace than others. And indeed, that a number of uh, denominations, for example, ours, has remained steadfast to the confessional, uh, to the confession that we had, to our basic, very basic confessional faith. I have a feeling, again, based partially on my own experience and just from observation, that there is a thirst for pure gospel among the public out there. And I think this is one reason why these groups are are leaving so many of the mainstream churches, is that that thirst is not being quenched. Well, certainly that. And this is, this is a complicated landscape as we look at growth and decline in different church bodies. If I could use a, a, an example, uh, the Presbyterian Church USA, which mm. is a mainstream liberal church body, is declining at about 5% per year. The ELCA, you know, the Lutheran counterpart yeah. to PCUSA, is declining about the same rate. Now, the Missouri Synod is declining, but at a slower pace. But part of it, what we look at is you start saying, well, where, where are those people going? What's the decline? So the, the uh, mainstream liberal churches are losing members in two ways. People are leaving the faith altogether, or they're, go- they're moving to other church bodies. 
um, sometimes entire congregations moving at once. And mm-hmm. We see that in the we're ELC. Seeing that with, yeah, we're also seeing that with the uh, with the Methodists most recently. Right, and, we're, and you can expect a, a major split in the Methodists over these issues. You couple that together with other demographic things like the aging of our church body, uh, cultural things like uh, a generation of Americans who have come of age who, who are not belongers. They don't join anything. Uh, so even secular organizations are struggling with retaining members and attracting new members. And what I think is probably the, the chief cause of decline of the Christian church in America, and that is uh, our, our lack of sharing the gospel with those who don't know Christ. So we, we, we stopped planting and watering uh, some time ago in our country. We focused a lot of our energy on planting and watering in foreign mission fields. We're seeing the fruit of that in oh, yeah. amazing ways, especially in Africa. Oh, the, the growth of Lutheranism in, in Africa is yeah. incredible. So it, it uh, without neglecting that foreign mission field, uh, it's time to really consider how, how do we go back to planting and watering in our own mission field, uh, North America being the third largest mission field in the world now. And uh, our, our uh, disinterest uh, or lack of motivation or whatever we want to call it to share the gospel with the people in our lives, uh, to, to not plant and water the word of God uh, in our daily living as really I believe, the driving force behind decline in America. Well, one thing I saw, again, in a Pew study that I found disturbing is that the LCMS is 95% white. I know the other 5% that's evenly uh, broken down between African-American and Latino. Why are we not appealing to these communities? Well, it's not that we don't appeal to them. It's that we don't reach out to them. Again, another case study here would be the Presbyterian Church in America, or the PCA. Now, the PCA split off from the liberal PCUSA in the early 1970s, a a relatively small church body uh, of about 300,000 people at the time, maybe not quite that many. Much of their early growth came from people also splitting away from PCUSA or other liberal reformed church bodies. But now, after kind of plateauing, we see the PCAs growing, and they're growing. Uh, they've grown seven percent in the last five years. Wow. And it was, you know, why is the PCA growing? Well, of course, it's the blessing of God on His Word. But what are they doing that we're not doing? Number one, they they're planting churches at a rate much much higher than ours. Uh, over the last fourteen years, the PCA has averaged one new mission planter a week being put out into the field. They also very intentionally are planting churches in urban centers where people are mm-hmm. and, uh, and reaching out to ethnic groups. So, so they started out as a, as a middle-class white church body, but they were very intentional about planting churches and reaching out to people unlike themselves. Well, I know a, a few years ago, I don't know if this is still true, but I remember in uh, the city of Philadelphia, there was one, count them, one LCMS congregation. Why? Well, we, we, we've, uh, we're losing our urban footprint, and some would say we've lost our urban footprint, uh, in large part because when, uh, when our members moved to the suburbs, they moved their churches out with them, or they commuted back into the city to attend church 
uh, because that was their ancestral church home or for other reasons, without engaging the community around the church. So the community was changing, but the congregation didn't engage that community. So uh, so once those those members left, either uh, permanently moving to the suburbs or or dying off, there were no there were no connections to the community around them. So these so the people in the community were not engaging with the church. So, are, are we driving this message home to our seminarians? Well, the, the seminarians are certainly probably more aware of this than they have been in the past. Uh, we're certainly driving it home through the work of the Office of National Mission, uh, both in the witness and outreach area. Where we're emphasizing the importance of personal evangelism again, the uh, church planting initiative, uh, the revitalization initiative, and in the in a pro in a and a kind of a umbrella over all of that that President Harrison announced recently, uh, making disciples for life, which is not really new, but it's a it's a more concentrated effort of taking the things we're doing and getting them working together better, and making people more aware of what resources are available. So there there's a lot in motion right now. But it reminds me though, Kip, of a of a saying I've once heard: If you want to sit in the shade. When's the best time to have planted a tree? <laughs> you know, Twenty years ago, right? Right, right. But when's the second best time to plant a tree? Right now. Right now. Right now. Uh, <laughs> and and now is the time. You know, we we can look at all these studies. We can debate what it all means. We can agonize over the statistics, or we can roll up our sleeves, get back to planting and watering. Uh, and uh, you know, personally. As, as we're called to individually uh, to be witnesses of Jesus in our everyday lives, collectively as a church body, strengthening our congregations, planting new congregations, reaching out to the lost and the wandering and those who have wandered away like you and I did once. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, we've taken some steps in the right direction. For example, uh, we were involved in the Hope Center in Ferguson following the riots in that community. Mm-hmm. And this is one where, area we, where we are out, uh, outreaching to a minority community, to an urban community, to one that really needs, I think, the gospel. That's one example. There are others. I mean, you mentioned Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. there's a Philadelphia Lutheran Ministries uh, reaching out to people. Uh, I think we're, as our culture itself has become more diverse, uh, our awareness of the need to bring the gospel to diverse people has increased. Pastor Wood, we are at the end of the program right now, but thank you for taking time out of your busy day. It was a pleasure being here. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.